Hey kiddo, welcome to the Inspire to Engage podcast, where we talk marketing for small business owners, how we can serve our existing clients well, and ways for us to engage more with potential clients. And of course, we'll talk some about the juggles and struggles to do all of this while still having a life. I'm your host, Rachel Eubanks, and I'm so happy that you're here. Welcome back, friend, to the second part of my conversation with my friend and SEO expert, Monique Ademudia. Monique has a great way of taking very technical advice about SEO, search engine optimization, and putting it in a practical way, a very doable way for people like me. So I appreciate that about Monique. If this is the first time that you're listening about SEO, you really may want to stop this episode and go back to the previous episode. There is where Monique lays the foundation for the four things that we all need to be considering when we are starting to think about SEO for our website. The second part of the conversation then builds on that. So we're going to talk about things like title tags. We're going to talk about the minimum number of words that need to be on each page of our website in order for Google or any search engine to consider that page legitimate, in order for that page to be served up in a search. And while I'm thinking about it, the conversation between Monique and I are from the perspective of searching. Here's an example of what this is not. If a good friend of mine tells me, oh my goodness, Rachel, you need to try this soup mix by so-and-so and -and so-and-so. Here's their website. Go look it up. That is not the same as me typing in to Google easy soup mixes. When I go to Google or any search engine and type something that I'm looking for, we have certain expectations. For example, when things pop up in our search and we click on that website, well, we expect for it to load quickly. That's something that Monique talked about in the previous episode, episode 20. We also expect for it to be product pages. In that example, when I say easy soup mixes, I expect as a user that I can then click on something and buy it. So we talk about in this episode and in episode 20, we are talking about search engine optimization. When someone searches for something in Google or Bing and Google or Bing or the other search engines serve up the search results. It's not the same as if someone tells us, go check out this website. I think you'll like the products there. We are a little bit more forgiving as far as how quickly it loads and what the information looks like when a friend has sent us to a website versus when a search engine offers us a chance to look at a website. We're about to pick up in this conversation between Monique and me when we're talking about user experience. When we're encouraging people, we've our site has been served up by a search engine and they click on it. One of the things that we want them to do is to stay there. Because when people, when the user stays on a website, it tells Google, hey, this user is a happy user. And then that makes Google happy in return. And when Google is happy, then it is more likely to serve up our website in searches like the one that was just performed. So you're going to hear Monique and I start talking about 
quizzes. She gives that as an example of a way that even e-commerce sites can encourage users to stay there and to really spend time looking around the website. I hope you enjoyed the second part of this conversation. Like I said earlier, I think it is full of doable, actionable tips. Okay, here it is. But you can do a quiz like which type of this and that are you? People like that. People like those personality tests and quizzes. BuzzFeed does that a lot. And they get a lot of clicks. They get a lot of visitors that do that and that stay and jump from question to question. Don't make it super long, like five questions or so. It's fun. Then they can see their result. They can share their result with friends. Yeah, make it funny. Make it engaging. And that's a good option, too, that not too many people use. And they're, like, so easy to do. There's tools that you can do that with. They have simple drag and drop editors. So definitely check that out if you want to stand out. That's definitely something unique and under leveraged. That's like a pro tip. Mm, (laughs) That is a pro tip. It's one I've not heard, especially like you said, when you think about from the e-commerce standpoint, but that is something fun that you can do. And I really think from the standpoint of a business owner, you can make that quiz fun, but at the same time, you as a business owner can be learning about the people that are landing on your site and getting ideas for your next product line or for what would they like to see for you to come out or common questions that they're having. I think that would work for both the visitor and for the business owner. Brilliant idea. That's so smart. That's so brilliant. So you could do that to refine your buyer personas, depending on what answers your visitors give you. You can also use them as lead collecting machines for you, right? And require an email address before they can see their result or whatever, offer something else, or give them their result for free, but then offer something maybe more thorough, like more personalized advice when they leave their email address and then collect leads through quizzes as well. There's a lot of opportunities there. They're really great tools, quizzes, right? They're great. And we do, we all love quizzes. I mean, back when we read hard copy magazines, I mean, I still do some, but I know that I remember getting the teen magazine and you couldn't wait to get back there and take that quiz. They knew there was something onto it already, didn't they? (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about my client's site, the the jewelry designer's site. You took a moment and, or took several minutes and looked at it and wanted to give some suggestions. I liked your suggestions because I feel like these are suggestions that most solopreneurs need. First of all, her site is a beautiful site. It's sitting on Shopify. So it's already a site that is It's a platform optimized for e-commerce. And I can tell you a little background about this too, Monique. My friend and and client moved her site about a year ago from another platform and saw already tremendous gains because she moved it from a platform that's fine. It's a a website builder, but Shopify is built for e-commerce. And so she really, she, it was, it's already optimized for that, which that was a huge thing for her. So. I want you to go through a couple of the suggestions that you gave my friend and client, because I think these are things that most of us need to hear. And then you and I, we are going to get a little technical because I'm going to give the listeners a heads up. She is going to mention or will eventually mention title tags. And that gets (laughs) a little detail, but we are going to break it down as easily as possible. And so first of all, 
tell their listeners some of the suggestions that you gave for the jewelry design website. So this is where my friend and client sells handmade jewelry. It's a beautiful site. Right. So whenever you create a new page on your site, you got to name that page, right? You got to give it a title. And that title, also known as the title tag, is where you put your main keyword in that you want to target. It's very important that you put that in your title tag and preferably in the beginning of your title tag because Google puts more weight on that as well. That's how people also know that your site is about that. Because if you look at the Google search results, the way that the search results are structured, you get like a blue heading, which is the title of the search result. It's that blue link, right? It's like the heading of that search result. And then underneath that, there's like the URL of that page in green. And then underneath that, uh, there's a short description uh, called the meta description. And that's a place where you can put copy in to get the click. You don't have to necessarily put your keywords in there as well because Google doesn't consider the keywords in the meta descriptions like they do with the title tags. You still can put them in there to, again, let the users know User. okay, the page is really about that. So they see that again, they read that again, they know, okay, okay, so that's about that. That's about the keyword that I searched for. So that page most likely has exactly the answer that I'm looking for. So made a description for copy, title tag for keywords. That's really important how you optimize your pages. For the and so I want to pause there for just a second because as Monique and I were about to officially start recording this, I said, Monique, I need you to delve a little deeper for me about the difference between a title tag and then like a H1, a heading one. Hmm. So tell them for a second what a title tag is compared to the heading, the, the first heading, the H1 of right. your of your website page. Okay. So headings, there's a hierarchy to them, right? You could have a heading and then you could have a subheading underneath that heading. And then you could have another subheading for that subheading and so on. There's a hierarchy among the headings. And the first heading is called the H1 heading. And then the one um, underneath that, the subheading to that will be your H2 heading. And then another subheading um, one level below that would be H3, then H4, H5, H6. That's the hierarchy of headings. So the H1 is the most important heading. And it's definitely beneficial to repeat your keyword in your H1 heading. Again, same with the H2 and H3 too, actually as well. When you get to the H4 level, it doesn't become, you know, that important. Uh, it's not that important anymore once you've reached like the H4, H5, H6. It's a little bit too deep in the hierarchy. But H1, yeah, the most important one. So repeat your keyword in that H1 heading as well. So your H1 heading is text that's on the web page. Like you put a big H1 heading on your web page. You know, you enter the text and you drag it to the position where you want it to be on your website. That's your H1 heading. It's really like on the website. Whereas the title tag is the title that you give the page that you define for the page when you create it. And the title tag can be seen in the browser tab. Like in every browser tab, you notice that there's an icon, which is called the fab icon. And next to the fab icon, there is actually the page title. This doesn't have to be the same as your H1 heading. It can be, 
If you got like a bomb title, you want to use it twice, <laughs> please go ahead and do so. If it contains your keywords, that's all right. You can also put some variation in there as well. Yeah, but that's the difference basically. So your title is the title of the page. You need to find out when you create the page. And that's what's displayed in the browser tab. And the H1 is actually on your page. It's the heading of the content on your page, whereas the title tag is like the title of the entire page. Okay, so thank you so much for that clarity because the the title tag is more for a search engine in the fact right. that that's what it's going to be crawling first. First and foremost, it's going to be crawling that and figuring does it need to be pulled up in the search that this person has done. The H1 is what us visitors, that's, that's what those of us that create, that work on our own websites, that's what we put nice and big for everybody to see. And it is important. But right. it's not as important as that title as tag. Title tag, right? Okay. Thank you so much. So, Monique, if a business owner has said, "Okay, I'm convinced. I need to work some on SEO," would you suggest that they take one or two pages at a time? Don't look at their whole website and say, "Oh my goodness, I've got to tackle all of the title <laughs> tags. I've got to tackle my H1s on every single product page or every single service page. Would you suggest, is this something that you tell your clients, choose one or two pages, work on it, get comfortable in it, and then tackle some more pages? What do you tell, what do you tell your clients? Definitely. So one step at a time, look at one page at a time and then optimize one page at a time. And how you figure out which pages to prioritize and which ones to optimize first, which are the most important on your site, is looking at your backlinks. If someone links back to your site, it means that they want their audience to check your site, to check out your site as well, because they found it so valuable and they found it, you know, so amazing that they're willing to link out to you on their website. That's really an honor. It's like a vote for your site, right? It's like a vote for you. So the pages on your site that got the most backlinks are the most valuable to users and you want to optimize and rank those first. They're also the easiest to rank because backlinks are a really, really strong ranking signal for Google. So the more backlinks your site has, if they're, they're spammy ones as well. I don't want to get too deep into okay. that. But if they're quality backlinks, that's really, really good. And again, you can find those out by just pasting in your website URL into a tool and it's going to tell you which site has the most backlinks. And then just you know, tackle it one step at a time. Don't be like overwhelmed and be like, oh my gosh, I got thousands of pages. I'm selling so many products. Like my e-commerce, I got like so many pages. How can I optimize each and every one of them manually? Yes, definitely go step by step. And that's how I would go ahead with that. And let's say they are an e-commerce site or maybe they're a new business and don't have any backlinks. Would they just use the anal analytics then from their website? What are the most visited pages and sure. start, start with there too? Start there, yes. Okay. And then also it. do some outreach to get those links <laughs> if you don't have any or if you don't have as many. That's really, really important because you can do everything right. If you don't got any links at all, you're probably still not going to rank because that's like a strong signal. It's such a recommendation and it's all about user experience. Google wants their users to have the best user experience and be satisfied and find the answer to whatever they're searching for. Searching for it once, ideally clicking on the first result and not having to go back and adjust the search query and search for something else again until they finally find what they're looking for. They don't want their users to go 
through that and make it a hassle for them. So they rank the best pages, the most relevant pages, the most high quality pages. And they can be so picky nowadays. That's why you gotta do SEO and you gotta put that effort in because you have to look at it like this. There's billion of, billions of websites on the internet. There's millions uh, of new websites that are created every day. And of course, not all of them are your competition. But notice when you Google something, Google shows you how many search results there are, and that's hundreds of thousands for almost every search, sometimes millions for some searches, and only 10 make it to the first page. So you gotta be really among the best, and you gotta be amazing. It's not enough to be good, it's not enough to be great, you really have to be exceptionally amazing to, to get to the top with the quality of your content and with, with everything. So backlinks are just a strong indicator for that. Okay. And that's a great point. Let me ask you something too, because you were talking about search and I think about my store owners, my brick and mortars, mm -hmm. and we're talking about small businesses too. And I know that I can speak personally that it feels like Monique, I would never be on the, the first 10 on page one of Google. It's easy to feel that way. Talk to us for a second, though, about local SEO. We're going to come back to the jewelry website here in just a second, but this does somewhat apply, even though it's an e-commerce. She also does have some local business. So tell me a little bit about local SEO. Yeah, so there's ranking factors, right? The Google ranking factors, and if you optimize for them, you're a lot more likely to rank. Obviously, there's never a guarantee for anything, but you're a lot more likely to rank. And then for local SEO, there's some additional ranking factors for local businesses that they would have to do additionally to optimizing for organic SEO, for the general type of SEO for their local business. So Google has to know that it's a local business and they have to know where you're located so they can recommend you to people in your area searching for what you offer. So one thing that's really important is have a contact page where you list your business address, your physical address, where people can visit you um, and come to your store or salon or garage or whatever it is that your local business is. And if you have several locations, right, have a separate page for each and every location. Ideally, you would actually have it listed on every page. So a great way to do that is to put it in your footer, put your address in your footer uh, so it's on every page and then Google knows where you're, where you're located. And if something searches for what you offer, let's say, hairdresser near me, then they actually know that you're near them because their algorithm can calculate the proximity of your brick and mortar to the searcher and actually know that you're close and that you're um, a local business. So that's how you optimize for that with your address. Have your phone number. In SEO, we say NAP data. Have your NAP on your site for users to find it. So that stands for name, address, and phone number. So your address, your business name, and have a phone number. Ideally, you would also have a contact email address on your site so you're really accessible and easy to find and optimize for that. And have a Google My Business and have the same address in your Google My Business as on your site. So like, be consistent. If you moved or anything like that, make sure that it's really consistent and you have the right address of your business 
actually all over the internet. Like update your profiles. If you're a local business, you're most likely on a lot of directories. So update your Yelp and whatever it is. Keep those profiles updated. Google My Business would be the most important one because it's actually by Google and you're optimizing for Google. Yes, there's also Bing. Yes, there's also DuckDuckGo. But Google has 90 something, 97, 98%, something like that, market share or even more. I'm not even sure right now. So when I say Google, I mean all search engines in general. By doing SEO, obviously you optimize for all search engines when you do search engine optimization. But Google is just such a big player and so dominant. They, they rule everything basically. So that's why we say Google. And Google My Business is really, really important. You have to have a Google My Business. You have to be verified on Google My Business. If you're not verified, you can get there. It's, it's a pretty straightforward Yeah, process. it's easy. Yeah. They're going to send you a postcard with like a code on it and you enter it and you're verified for that address. And you want engagement on that profile as well. So leverage the question and answer section. Encourage people to actually ask you questions. Um, it's good people show interest in your business, right? So then actually go ahead and also answer those questions. Google notifies you and sends you emails whenever something happens on your profile. Anyway, so you can't miss it unless you purpose uh, fully ignore it, right? So answer those questions, interact with your audience, reply to every review that you have. If you get a negative review, still reply, be friendly, be helpful, try to make things right, always stay professional, and just interact, have some engagement uh, on your Google My Business profile. Upload new pictures, you can upload pictures on there, you can upload videos, you can also allow your customers and your visitors to upload their own pictures of your business. So that's a great option too. You can get user-generated content on there and post new offers, post new, leverage all of the features that Google My Business have. You can put a link to your website. You can put an extra link for booking an appointment with you on there as well. Have your opening hours updated when the holidays coming up. Have sure that you have that updated as well and just leverage Google My Business. And then for Bing, the equivalent would be Bing Places for Business. That's how they call it, Bing Places for Business. So it's good to also be on there and on all of the major business directories that you can be found. Okay. So just to <laughs> summarize this information that is so good and so powerful for small business owners. If we want to talk about local SEO, we need to have our address on our website, preferably every page in the footer. Yeah. And to be sure that if that we might even have a page that talks about our location so that you can have your address there. And if you have multiple locations, have a page for each address so right. that Google or Bing are going to crawl that and know when people are searching for that it's so common sense, but it's something that I overlook and I know other small businesses do too. And then you got into Google My Business, which if you're not familiar with Google My Business, it is free. Once again, Google actually offers a lot of free things for business owners in order for you to know if you're working on Google or not. And so Google My Business is free. Like Monique said, you do have to set up an account and you do have to be verified. It is an easy process. They really do go old school and send you a postcard in the mail. I remember the first time I got my postcard in the mail, I said, wow, really? Google, <laughs> so fancy, right. huge search engine. And they're like, 
gonna mail you a postcard. Okay. And sure enough, you get a postcard to verify. So that is something very important. And she is encouraging us to make sure that that is correct. Our address is correct there and to be active there because you can upload pictures and things like that. It doesn't hurt to go there every couple of weeks and make sure that you have some fresh content there because it is Google and Google likes when you're using other different services. And you made a brilliant point too, as well about making sure that your address is up to date on Yelp and other places like that, where there's reviews and people go to search for where to eat, where to blah, 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 that you're right. We should check and make sure our addresses are there. So that's a little tidbit about local SEO so that brick and mortars can be sure to shine in their area. So let's get back for a second about the jewelry website. You also gave another two or three suggestions and one of them dealt with that there wasn't enough words on, on a lot of the pages. And so I talked to you about it. I said, Hey, Monique, I need your advice here. I'm a copywriter and I'm always helping businesses get to the point because we love to use a thousand words and we really could have said it in 10. (laughs) And we also know that it does come down to user experience. And honestly, if they land on a website that is nothing but words, people are going to click off really quickly. They need to land at your site and know exactly what it is that your business does. And I said, okay, so Monique, what, what is the middle ground between having enough words. And I'm talking very specifically about our homepage right now, the page where, where we send most of our traffic, where is that fine line between being specific and using very few words to tell people what we do versus having enough words on that page so that Google recognizes it as a legit page. So can you talk to me a little bit about that middle line? Because that was one of the things that you said for the jewelry website didn't have enough words. Yes. So the Google bot has to actually determine what your page is actually about before they're going to rank it for any keyword, right? So it needs content and it needs words on the page that it can crawl and look at to see if it's relevant. If there's not enough words on the page and you only have very few words on your page, that's considered thin content. So anything that's less than about 250 words is most likely not going to rank in Google because it's thin content. Google can't really figure out what the page is actually about. It needs some more text on the page. So the average web page that ranks in Google actually has 2,200 words. This might sound like a lot right now, but it's not, and you can totally do it. You can structure your page in a way where it makes sense and it's not access text and it's not gonna bore your users, but if it's really useful information that's helpful, like you write your own product descriptions and make it really, really original and unique, and that's a way to wave in more words on the e-commerce site, for example, in your product pages, specifically on the homepage, really explain the benefit of what you do and dive into the values that it gives your potential customers and describe that with beautiful copy with beautiful words and it also gives you more options to put your keywords on the page right you don't want to repeat the same keyword hundreds of times on the page that's not natural you want to have a very natural feeling when users read the text that's on your site you want the readability to be good you want it to be 
easy to understand. So use synonyms too. This is called LSI keywords. Uh, use synonyms to your keyword and don't always repeat the very same keyword over and over on the page. And that's actually an opportunity that you have and that it gives you when you have more words on your page. Okay. So 2200 words is what I'd aim for. The more, the better, actually, especially for text-based content, like articles, like blog posts, the more thorough and comprehensive they are, the better. So if you can write like 10,000 words, go for it. Structure, well, it's all about the structure. Put some relevant images on there. So it's not just black text. Obviously, no one is going to read that. Structure with subheadings. Keep the paragraphs small and short. Make use of styling text, right? You can bold some text. You can italicize some text. You can play with different font weights and font sizes. Play with the layout. Sometimes you put the image on the right for a couple of paragraphs. For the next couple of paragraphs, put the image on the left. Then in between, do like a calculator or like a little slider or something that they can do so it doesn't get boring. Find a creative way to put it on the page and to wave your keywords in and to actually make it entertaining and educating your user and your potential customer. And it's not that much actually if you break it down. Like 2,200 words, it may sound intimidating at first, but if you like really think about it and you think about, okay, what advantages does my product have? What's my unique value proposition? What's my unique sales proposition? Why would they buy? What does the product do? And then of course you can also mention the features and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I, I like your cheerleading. And once again, it kind of goes back to what we said earlier is take one or two pages at a time. Don't panic. And honestly, by taking one or two pages at a time, you are going to get better down the road because you get in a habit of thinking, okay, these are some keywords for my business that I want to be known for. I'm going to make sure I incorporate them. And I really do think it's taking one or two pages at a time. And from the copywriting standpoint, make sure I understand this too. When they mm -hmm. land on a homepage, I want you to yes or no this. It's mm -hmm. perfectly fine that everything above the fold be short, straight to the point, tell people what it is that they should expect at your site. Buy beautiful jewelry. For me, um, marketing, you, same thing, you're marketing. And so we have very few words above the fold. But right. you're saying below the fold, when people start scrolling and want to learn more about us, that is the opportunity on our homepage to then put in more of that content so that Google knows this homepage should be crawled and it's of value. Is that, yeah. did I understand it? Thank you. Okay. So above the fold, you want to get straight to the point, list the benefit, list the advantage, whether they're going to get, put your keyword in the H1 and very important, have a call to action, have some kind of button there, a call to action or a contact form. That is what you want to put above the fold. And then below the fold, you can put like the main content that you have for that page. If you're not familiar with the fold is, <laughs> the fold is what you can see basically when you open up a website, everything that you can see until you have to scroll. scroll yeah. um, that exact area that is like right at the border of when you have to scroll down to see the rest that is called the fold. So above the fold is like the first impression. And, and it's very important. That's what goes back to our earlier conversation when we were talking about making sure that your website is mobile friendly. 
a lot of times something will look really good on our desktop that we're working on as a business owner. It looks great. Mm -hmm. We're happy with it. Things are where they're supposed to be above the fold on the desktop. You need to go and check and make sure it's above right. the fold on your mobile. And like Monique said, it's just simply, it's that the first look that you get at a website before you actually have to scroll up. And then from below, I guess we call it below the fold. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there was another thing that you also suggested to our friend, the jewelry designer. We talked about making the content not so thin, but you also noticed that the website loaded in 30 seconds, correct? Right. So improving load speed. I've already tapped into this earlier. There's not much more that I can say. No, about there's it. not. It's basically about user experience. People are impatient and you're just risking to have a high bounce rate. A bounce is when somebody doesn't interact with your site whatsoever and bounces right back and clicks on the back button because they don't see how they would use your site, right? They don't see what they want to see. Somehow they're disappointed because maybe your H1 is not straight to the point and tells them the answer and what your site is actually about. So in a high bounce rate, will actually decrease your rankings and Google will drop your site in the rankings. If I could name four things that I would say are the most important things for SEO that you would need to have a look at. Number one, make sure that your pages can actually be crawled and indexed. Number two, backlinks. Your site needs to have backlinks. Number three, make sure that your content actually has long-term ranking potential. You want to aim for evergreen content. Obviously, not, not everything is evergreen, but make sure that your site is not about things that are hyped and then nobody would search for them anymore. And then the fourth thing is match the search intent. What a great summary, Monique, because we have really delved deep. We've tried to keep it as practical as possible, right. but at the same time, she's right. Search engine optimization is somewhat technical and we have to embrace that and understand it. And the thing that we can do as small business owners who are new to the field is to take it one step at a time. And she mentioned right now, these are the things that you need to handle first and foremost. And number one is make sure that it's being crawled and that it can be indexed. That's the number one right. thing we need to do. Before I let you go, first of all, Monique, I cannot tell you, thank you enough. You have been <laughs> so generous. Well, Great time. <laughs> well, you have been so generous with your time and your knowledge. And I know that this episode is going to bless some business owners who know about SEO just a little bit, but they don't know what to do with it. And so you've right. been very practical and have given us free tools to go right. and tackle some of these things. So tell them, because I know they're going to want to know how can they learn more about Monique? She does a great job writing. She is, she's writing all over the place. I've read some of her articles in different places, not just on her website, but tell them where they can go because you've got some really good stuff on your site. Tell them where they can find more about you. Sure. So my website, that's dragon-digital-marketing.com. There you can find my blog. There you can find my podcast. Um, there you can find everything about me, basically. I'm also on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on YouTube. On Twitter, my Twitter handle is at DragonDigitalM1. And my podcast is also everywhere you can listen to podcasts like iTunes, Spotify. You can find me, search for Dragon Digital Marketing. That's where I fell in love besides Anne Hanley's, Anne Hanley's newsletter. 
then I went out and started listening to your podcast. And so that's when I said, I've got to get this girl on (laughs) and you were wonderful. So I just want to tell you, thank you. I know that other listeners will be so appreciative for the knowledge that you have laid on us. The scary thing to me is that you have so much that you're holding back. There's a lot more <laughs> that you, yeah, that you know, but you're like, share the rest too. There's a lot to say about SEO. Right? I was going to say, you're like, Rachel's not ready. <laughs> Rachel's not ready for all this information. I've got to give her what she can handle right now. So thank you. Thank you. I wish you the best and I can't wait to talk to you some more. Okay. All right. I wish you the best too. Have a great weekend. Thank you You, so much for having me. Bye-bye. Bye, Monique. Bye. I hope you got as much value from episode 20 and 21 as I did. Monique has done a great job taking things that are rather technical and putting into layman's terms for someone like me. Now, at the end of each episode, I like to give three or four key takeaways. They're mostly for me, but I hope that you find some help in them as well. One of the key takeaways that I got was title tags. I really needed Monique to clarify the difference between title tags and an H1. H1 stands for heading one. So that's the big heading that we see at the top of a website page. And when we're the ones creating it, it's the heading that we put there too to tell users what this page is about. But H1 is not the same as a title tag. Title tag is what search engines care about. So that's what they are crawling first and foremost. That's why it's very important that when we name our page, which is called the title tag, that we name it what we want Google to know us for. So if we are selling beaded necklaces with a cross on a specific product page, then the title tag for that page should be beaded necklaces with cross. Now, we could give the H1 for that page to be something different. It might be exactly the same as the title tag, or it could be a little bit different, assuming that when the user lands there, they find what they're expecting to find. That's very important as well. We definitely want user experience to match the search intent. One more time, title tags are extremely important. That is what we name our pages on our website. Monique has her website built on WordPress. So WordPress gives you a spot for each page where you put the title tag. I have my site built on Squarespace and so I have a spot where I get to name my page. That's a very important area right there. And that's where we need to think about the long tail keywords that we want Google to know us for. We need to be using those in the title tag. Number two, my fear is that the technical of episode 20 and 21 will keep somebody from moving forward, from trying some SEO practices on their website. And I don't want that to happen. So I want to remind us, takeaway two, start one page at a time. I'm going to say that one more time. Start one page at a time. When we think about something of just doing it once, or I'm just going to handle this one page, it's so much more doable. So that's why I'm going to encourage myself. I have a page or two on my website that I want to specifically work on. And I'm going to take the suggestions that Monique has given 
and I'm going to work on those one or two pages. Monique reminded us that any page on our website that has backlinks to it, remember backlinks are those links that another page, maybe it's even from our, from our own website, or from another website has linked back to this page. So hence the name backlinks. So backlinks, those are the pages that Monique would encourage you to start any SEO work, any SEO brush up that you feel like you need to. Now you very well could have no backlinks. That's, that is very understandable as well. If you haven't really worked hard to get backlinks to your website, you may not have any. So I would suggest that you start with the pages that have the most traffic. You can usually find that in your analytics, or maybe you have a specific product that you want to do well. That would be a page then that you start with any SEO. And remember, SEO starts with the basics, making sure that that page is being crawled. And you can use Google Search Console. It's a free tool on Google to make sure that's happening. And then definitely make sure that that page is mobile friendly. These are tips that Monique gave in episode 20. These are the basics of SEO. And then you definitely want there to be user experience for it to be a good user experience, meaning the page is going to load fairly quickly. The fourth thing is you need to be thinking about long tail keywords that you want Google to know you for. So my precious and very talented friend, Amy Boyle from Grace Girl Beads agreed to allow Monique and I to use her website. It's called Grace Girl Beads as almost a case study. Now, I chose her website and asked her because her website's already very beautiful and it is performing pretty well for her. So I knew that she wouldn't mind Monique giving her a couple of suggestions. So when you hear me continue to say the phrase beaded necklace versus beaded necklace with cross, that comes from my friend's website, Grace Girl Beads. She makes beautiful handmade jewelry. I know her personally and can speak to her level of work and dedication. So there's a plug for her that she did not ask for. If you are looking for a beautiful gift for someone or for yourself, Grace Girl Beads. There you go. There's her plug. But we were talking about long tail keywords. And so for Amy, as a jewelry designer, beaded necklace is not a long tail keyword. The competition for ranking for that is insane. So for Amy on specific product pages, a long tail keyword for her could be beaded necklaces with cross or beaded necklace with cross. Now in episode 20, the one part of this, we do talk about ways to go about finding long tail keywords for different businesses. So you may want to go back and listen to the episode if you didn't. Okay, another key takeaway for me was local SEO, meaning if we are a brick and mortar, mortar store, we should have our address on the footer of every page of our website. She called it the NAPs, handle that, the name, the address, and the phone number in the footer of every page. And she even talked about the fact that if you have multiple locations, you may find it helpful to have a page per location. That leads me to the fourth tip that she spent a lot of time talking about, and that is Google My Business. Now, Bing also has its own version of this. And Google My Business is just a way of telling Google that my business is here 
it's alive and well, and this is where my business is located. Obviously, because it is a product created by Google, it does like for you to be active there. And so you can upload pictures, put other information, almost create posts there. Be sure that number one, you have your Google My Business activated. If not, get it started. It is free. And then number two, you may want to try being active there some. It is a part of Google. And so it makes sense that it may help with local SEO. Okay. And the final takeaway of many, but the one I'm going to talk about here is the number of words to use per page on our website. The copywriter in me is all about getting down to the point. Now, I know you can't tell that from all the words that I use here on this podcast. And honestly, my writing, it is very hard for me to narrow down words. But as a copywriter, I know that that is so important. It was imperative to me to talk to Monique about how, from a copywriting standpoint, do we mesh together SEO? Because what Monique told us is that each page on a website really needs to have a minimum of 200 to 250 words for a search engine to consider it a legitimate site. So the way that copywriting and SEO can meet in the middle is keep it very concise, very to the point, above the fold. And I'm talking specifically, or I'm envisioning specifically a homepage. That page that we're constantly driving traffic to, you want someone to land there and know exactly what it is that they're going to get from you, what benefit from your business when they land on that page and they do not, because you wouldn't do this either. We're not going to read a thousand words above the fold. In fact, that's a way for us to click off really quickly and go back to Google. And then Google's going to know that this user was upset at our page. So above the fold, and once again, that is whatever our eyes land on, whether it be on our phone, our iPad, our desktop, whatever our eyes land on before we actually scroll once. That's considered above the fold. So above the fold where people are viewing our website the most, you want to be very concise with your words. Below the fold is where we're going to make sure we are search engine optimized. So that's where we're going to make sure that we are using at least 200, 250 words. And of course, we're going to be using long tail keywords that we want search engines to recognize us for. We're going to do that below the fold. So I hope those key takeaways helped you knowing about title tags and the importance of those, understanding that we just have to start one page at a time. Do not look at this, that you have to tackle your whole website. If you do that, I'm speaking to myself here, we'll be crushed and never start. So choose one page to start looking at SEO. Also, don't forget local SEO. If you're a brick and mortar, if you're a brick and mortar, make sure that in the footer of every page, you have your name, address, and phone number. And Google My Business is important. It is provided for us by the largest search engine in the world. So you probably want to make sure that you have Google My Business, that you have your account on Google My Business active and working. And last, we do need to use a minimum of 200, 250 words per page on 
on our website because that lets Google know that this page is legit. Okay, before I let you go, don't forget that I published a course called Creating an Ideal Customer Story. It's $19.99 and it's less than two hours. Let me tell you why this is important for all business owners. Too many times we sit down to write or to create a video and we have no idea what to say. In fact, we berate ourselves because we cannot come up with the words. Well, part of that or a large part of that is because we are not visualizing a real person receiving our communication. That's what this course is about. It's about sitting down and taking about an hour and a half of your time and creating a three paragraph story that brings to life your ideal customer. We're talking about motivation for buying, not just external, not just what he or she tells you why she buys from you, but internally, what else is going on there? We talk about phase of life so that we recognize that if a mom, if our ideal customer is a mom with a three-year-old, her life, her daily life looks very different than a mom with a 33-year-old. So we look at phase of life in this course too. And at the end, you come away with a three-paragraph story that's going to bring to life your ideal customer. No more writing or creating video to a faceless blob. You know exactly who you're writing to. And that is powerful. That saves you a ton of time. You will find that at my site, inspiretoengage.com backslash online courses. Once again, inspiretoengage.com backslash online courses. Okay, before I go, if you like this episode or you like this podcast, be sure to rate or review us or subscribe or tell a friend about it. You know how I feel about word of mouth marketing. It is king. Okay. I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye.